Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Eagles are at the podium, and we have it covered here for you thanks to the fine folk at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. Follow me on Twitter at MichaelKistNFL. That's K-I-S-T. Make sure you're following at BGN underscore radio, and that you're also subscribed to the feed because we have plenty of content coming your way as we work through the weeks and months leading up to free agency and the 2020 NFL Draft. Today we have NFL Combine press conferences for you with Howie Roseman and Doug Peterson taking the stand. They talk about a range of topics that include how aggressive they're looking to be in free agency, the potential return of Jason Peters, Press Taylor's contributions to the red zone offense, and much, much more, so stay tuned for that. Briefly, let's talk about this Combine schedule. Weigh-ins and interviews have already started, and today on Thursday you're going to get your first on-field workout and athletic testing as quarterbacks, tight ends, and wide receivers take the field to show what they got. Friday, you're going to see the special teamers, offensive linemen, and running backs. Saturday is for defensive linemen and linebackers. And finally, Sunday is all about the defensive backs. So a wave of information is about to crash upon our shores. Make sure you're locked here as we take you through it every step of the way. But for now, let's join Howie Roseman when he was at the podium in Indy. I um, want to start off by congratulating the Kansas City Chiefs on their world championship. Uh, Mr. Hunt, uh, Coach Reed, Brett Veach, and their entire staff. You know, it, it's hard to watch the Super Bowl when you're not in it, but obviously there's a lot of bonds that tie us with that organization and that team. And um, just want to say congratulations as we start off. How essential is it to get Carson Wentz some wide receiver help? We're always looking to add weapons and help for our quarterback. You know, it's a big part of our job is to try to surround him uh, with playmakers, uh, protect him, of course. Um, and so that's something that will always be a focus as we start an offseason. Have you made a decision? Have you made a decision about Jason Peters and going on to do it? Yeah, I think as it pertains to all of our free agents, you know, I think it's important that as we go through this process, we keep an open mind with everyone and try to figure out as we get more information. A big part of this week is accumulating information. That's what we'll do here. You know, obviously, when you're talking about Jason Peters, you're talking about a Hall of Fame player, a Hall of Fame person, someone who's very special to us and, you know, played at a really high level last year. So, um, we'll go through all those decisions this week, and that will kind of be my stock answer as it goes to every free agent we kind of talk about here. Have you learned, though, with players of, of that magnitude, I guess, in the franchise's history that you kind of have to deal with it a little differently than other players? Well, there's no question. When you talk about guys that are historic players in the National Football League, guys who are going to the Hall of Fame, guys who are going to the Eagles Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. um, those guys are special people and special players, and you don't have a lot of those during the course of your career. And and so you try to make decisions first that are best for the football team and at the same time have, have respect and appreciation for what guys have done and, and uh, what guys have done going forward and are going to be part of your organization for a long period of time. You 
talked about uh, needing an infusion of youth. You've got 10 draft picks, which is more than you've had in a while. Do you expect Double the amount that yeah. we've had over the last two years. Do you expect to use 10 draft picks? You know, I think there, there's two parts of that, Paul, when we sit here. I think the first part is that when you look at the teams who've won the Super Bowl, there's also veteran component to the team. So we're not talking about a total rebuild. We're talking about a retool period and injecting some youth. Um, we got a lot of highly paid players on our team, good players. That's why we paid them. And so you have to supplement them with some good young players. And then we know that in the draft, no matter how good you are, there is a hit and miss rate. It's just the nature of the beast at that and so the more draft picks you have, the better chance you have on hitting on guys. And, and we really haven't had those. Now, we did it for a reason. You know, we, we sacrificed the draft picks because we were in a win-now mode. And fortunately, we won. Uh, but at the same time now, some of the repercussions for that come forward and we got to make tough decisions. So as we sit here, we'd love to say that um, we're going to be having 10 picks. But there were moments in the last two drafts where there were guys within reach. Hey, John. What's going on, buddy? Uh this is going to be great, um, that that we'd want to move up, and we just didn't have the ammunition to do it. So um, if there's a guy still that we thought was incredibly highly valued and we could go up and go get him, we couldn't take that off the table. There have been, there have been drafts in the past couple of years that have been particularly deep at certain positions, running back in, in 17, defensive line last year. You didn't take guys early. Thanks, buddy. You didn't take guys early in those drafts. Did you learn anything about that as it pertains to receiver this year? Yeah, I don't think necessarily it's a mistake not taking guys early in the strength of that draft because what happens is guys at other positions fall to you because of that, and that gives you an opportunity to still get value. At the end of the day, you got to take the right players, you know, and so when we look at back at those drafts and uh, maybe some of the decisions that we made, Maybe when you go into a draft thinking, hey, I'm going to come out, and you mentioned in 17 running backs, uh, you go into it thinking this is such a great class, I'm going to get one. And then maybe you, you kind of have this in the back of your mind, I'm going to come out of the draft with that position. And then as it gets later in the draft, maybe you're trying to force some things. But uh, I think what we've learned about that is that sometimes there are drafts that you can't really, there's not a rhyme or reason. Sometimes there's drafts where you go, hey, it's a great running back draft, and so we're going to get a guy later than we thought. And sometimes in that situation, guys are going, I'm going to get the one I really like and make sure that if it's a historical class, this is a guy I really like. I don't know if I answered your question. but Howie, Darius Slay Jr. is on the market. Are you looking to trade for him to improve your cornerback depth? Are you looking to get me fined for tampering with another team? That would be the question. Yeah. Uh, We're not going to answer about any players on any other teams. You know, it's our job to explore everything. Um, we are going to look at everything, um, trade market, free agent market, the draft to improve our football team. You know, we can get younger and uh, faster on the roster. How do Alshon and Deshaun Jackson fit into that? And considering the injuries they had last year, do you feel like you can count on them next year to be contributing players? Yeah, again, we're trying to balance. We have good players who are not 23 and 24 years old. And when you look at who's winning, and even when we won, you're going to have players that are still in their prime that are 28, 29, 30, 30 plus that can contribute for you. Um, when you talk about kind of that position as a whole, I think it goes back to my first answer. We're always going to look for playmakers. We're always going to look for guys uh, who can help coach, who can help Carson. Um, and we'll just kind of have to figure out how we're going to all fit everything into the puzzle. What's the timetable for Alshon's return from his injury? We're not going to get into any timetables on injuries, but I think when you talk about Alshon, the most important thing for Alshon is getting him healthy as quickly as possible. What you did in 2016 to get Wentz, what do you think in today's world it would take to move up, say, from 7-1 to one, uh, in the draft? And, and what's the risk 
of mortgaging a lot of the future with draft picks when you do that? I think it's kind of catch-22 when you're talking about the quarterback position because it's really hard to win unless you have a great quarterback. And uh, you could have a really great team built around that guy. And if you don't have uh, the guy, um, that signal caller, it, it's hard. Um, but you got to be right. And uh, so I think uh, I'm glad that we're not in that position right now to think about what would be the right compensation and uh, just kind of focus on how we can help our quarterback get better and surround him with better players. How many ones would you think? I mean, I don't know. Depends who you're dealing with. It'll be tough. Malcolm's been a great player, a great person for us, you know, as it relates to contract negotiations with all our players, those are things we'll try to keep in house and, um, you know, have honest conversations with all our players. What's your, what's your process for evaluating past drafts, either personally or as a staff? How, how do you go about doing that? Yeah, I think they're great learning tools. Uh, at the same time, you know, you got to look at some of the things that maybe you overvalued, some of the things you've undervalued, how the game has changed, what things are happening. Um, I think you go back and you look at, at a draft like 2012 um, at the quarterback position, and maybe there were guys who went later than they would at a time like now because maybe they were unique at that time. And so you're not probably not getting a guy like that in the third round anymore where maybe you got them. You know, I'm proud about the fact that um, some of the greatest players in Eagles history are part of our draft classes. You know, some guys who are going to go to the Eagles Hall of Fame. Now, can we do a better job? There's no doubt about it. And uh, we're going to do whatever we can to do a better job. But um, there is some projection involved in taking guys who are 21 and 22, changing their surroundings, putting money in their pocket, changing their system, changing their scheme. So you try to the best of your ability, take the guesswork out of it. Um, but we've also seen some examples where, you know, some of maybe the projections we had have to change based on some of the success some guys have had. We talked about at the end of the season um, meeting that we had with all of you guys that sometimes things change and you got to look at it from a different lens and, and continue to grow and learn and get better. Third straight all season, you made significant changes to your medical st- and training staff. Mm-hmm. Um, is that a reflection of all the injuries that you guys have endured over the last three seasons? Yeah, well, I think the first part about it, um, when we talk about some of the people who left, you know, Shireen decided not to renew her contract. Uh, she's got family on the West Coast, and she decided to move back to the West Coast and you know appreciate her work and wish her well. Um, Sean Hull's contract expired as well. And we had a unique opportunity. I think that um, we had the need and we got two guys and Tom and Ted that we're very excited about that we think are going to be huge additions uh, to our football team. And we got to look at anything we can to get better. You know, uh, we owe it to our players, to our coaches, to our organization, to our fans to find ways to get better. And I feel like we're very fortunate to get those Will two guys. Will be in charge of their respective uh, departments? Yeah, Jeff, that's a great question. You know, uh, everyone in performance and strength will report to Ted and everyone in the training will report to Tom. You mentioned Dr. Denota's, uh We was going to evaluate during the season your whole training and mm-hmm. rehab process. Can you tell us anything about that evaluation, what he found that needed to change? Yeah, I think we wanted to step away from it. That's why we didn't make changes right away um, or add anyone right away and uh, kind of get a fresh lens because obviously when the season ends, uh, you're disappointed that the season ended. And um, we've had a lot of injuries the last couple of years. There's no doubt about it. And uh, I take responsibility, too, for the things that I can do better there. Uh, but I think when we looked at it and saw the opportunity, some people leaving, and the opportunity to get people that we think are, are going to be really outstanding for our football team, we thought it was a no-brainer. Are you more free 
this offseason to sign free agents who uh, qualify for the contract formula? I'm not free to sign free agents. Well, mostly last year. I think because we had 10 picks over a two-year period, we sat there and felt like, and, and we paid Carson, and we have a lot of highly paid players on our team, we felt like we needed a year where we knew we were going to have double-digit draft picks. And so, you know, I look at it that um, some of those guys that we released during the season, they're good players, and they were good players um, for the teams that they went to after they came to us. But for us going forward to have those picks and to know we had those picks was important to sitting here now and feeling like we're going to have 10 picks and um, we need that amount of guys. Uh, now, when we look at it, I think the scenario changes a little bit in terms of if we can get the right free agents, we're not in a mode now where maybe we try to find the undervalued older guys that we try to find the last couple of years. And um, going forward, we're trying to build this over a period of time. We're not kind of in this one-year window. We talked about it again in January about how looking at this 2020, 2021, 2022 in this three-year period of getting guys who are part of it, um, I guess kind of similar to how we looked at free agency in maybe 2016 and 17. In 2021, you don't really have uh, many – players that are scheduled to become unrestricted free agents. I think it's just Malcolm, really, as far as the starters go. Does that free you up maybe to be able to spend more this offseason in you know, knowing that you have that situation coming up? Yeah, I think the one thing we got to be careful of is the amount of cap room we have this year and then how it's affected next year and the years going forward because we don't want to be in a position where we lose flexibility totally by doing that. So um, we're hopeful that if we go into the free agent market that maybe we're signing guys that are more core guys than more one or one or two-year guys. And we look at it from building our team over a two, three-year perspective as opposed to just kind of this one-year window. How can a team use GPS tracking to measure speed in addition to the drills that you guys have here? Uh, I think it, it's a great resource for us. It's not the end-all, be-all as we look at it. But being able to get that, it shows play speed as much as it does just track speed. So um, when that kind of matches up, like any decision, you know, we talk about it a lot. We want the tape to match up with the numbers, and we feel really good. If one of those things isn't equal, maybe that you know changes the resource we put on it. So it's the same with the GPS data. As a follow-up to what you were saying about free agency, is it is it fair to say that the approach is going to be different this offseason and you'll be more willing to kind of get involved in the top of the market free agents as opposed to what you've done the past two years? I think what would be fair to say, Zach, is that um, over the last two years coming off the Super Bowl, we had a different amount of resources going forward and we were looking at our team building over that. 17, 18, 19 period. And we knew 20 that we were going to have to kind of change that a little bit. So now we're looking at it over the course of a window. Not that we don't want to win this year. We desperately want to win this year. But more over building this team over 2020, 2021, hopefully 2022. It's hard to look three years out, really, but uh, keep our eye on that. So I think that maybe changes the complexion of some of our decisions uh, this offseason. That is different than coming off the Super Bowl or coming off, you know, losing to the Saints in the divisional round. a significant investment in, in Andre Dillard first round. I mean, how can you allow him to sit for another year if, if you do have plans of bringing Jason Peters back? Yeah, Andre getting that experience, um, certainly at left tackle, was huge for him. Um, we're very confident in his abilities to be a really good player. But it's a good problem for us to have, that we have a lot of these offensive linemen that we think are good players and that can play. You know, it's an all-line deficient league. And uh, I think we feel fortunate that we have these good options and that it's not the flip side where we're trying to figure out what we're going to do going forward on our offensive line, that we have a lot of good options to choose from. How involved were you in the search to fill out Doug's staff? 
you know, that's all Coach Peterson. Uh, he makes those decisions at the same time, just like when I'm hiring a staff member or promoting a staff member. Uh, I want him to interview him. I want him to get to know him because we're all in this together. Um, and so well, that's kind of how we roll on everything. If I'm hiring somebody uh, as part of my staff, they sit down with Coach Peterson. Um, but at the end of the day, I got to have responsibility for that decision. And it's the same when he's hiring anyone, you know, he's going to make that decision. But, um, you know, we get a chance to sit down and, and talk a little bit, but it's all based on his perspective and what he's looking for. Thanks, guys. All right. How are we doing? Water's good. You got my own. Uh, obviously, with backup quarterbacks, you guys have had Nick Foles and then Josh McCown last year. This year, maybe Nate, Nate Sudfield will be more of a prominent role. How do you feel about putting Sudfield in that type of role? Yeah, I mean, uh, we, we've been real comfortable with Nate. He's been with us now uh, the last few years, uh, very comfortable with him. Obviously, he has an opportunity, and, and we'll see what happens this spring when we get down the uh, down the, down the road here with him. But, um, you know, he, he, he's put himself in a position to, to compete and, and possibly be our number two. With the running backs, guys have been injured and guys have been kind of retiring. Are you looking? Are you, will you be looking at the combine this week to kind of find a running back for? A few yeah, weeks? you know this is uh, this is a great opportunity for us as coaches. This is the first time to, for us to really put eyes on these college players, and and uh, you know we're looking to add value and talent at every position, not just running back. But uh, we've done this the last couple of years, and we're going to continue with this process. Doug, what Doug? Jason what Doug? What? Been really uh, honest about Who? how uh, Jason Kelsey has been really honest over the last few years. He kind of used it a year by year thing. Have you talked to him, and do you expect him to be back and playing next year? You know, I saw him at the end of the year when we had our exit physicals and, and uh, had a chance to sit down with him. And, you know, I, th- I think Kelsey's in a really good place um, I, with every player, and especially veteran players. I, I want them to take time, you know, be, be with their families, get away from the game, you know, refresh, recharge. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll cross those bridges. But uh, obviously, we'd love to have them all back. Doug, uh, Doug you uh, made the decision to fire Mike Groh, and, and it was one day later after you had said that maybe you had made the change. What changed in that one day that made you Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm going to go back to a WIP interview that I had about a week later. Um, and Sorry, and you didn't? Well, for those of you that did, thank you. Um, you know, that decision, obviously, I, I, I was not uh, clear uh, in, what, in what I said and, and the communication level there. Um, and, and I was still in my evaluation process of, of my entire staff at the time. And, and, uh, so it was just, uh, you know, uh, a situation where I just misspoke and, uh, you know, I apologize for that. Why, why was Mike fired? You know, there's times where, um, course of the season, course of the year, uh, things just, uh, things just don't work out, you know, and, and, um, you know, I'm constantly evaluating everybody and, and my coaches know this coming into this, into this business and into this, uh, uh, our organization and and I have to make tough decisions. We have to do it with the players. We have to do it with coaching staff. And and so I was, you know, just made that made that move. What was, Jeffrey, what was Jeffrey's involvement in that in that decision making? There was none. There was none. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's this is one of the things that I appreciate about Jeffrey Howie is they give me uh, a total control over the staff. Um, are they interested? And do they do they talk to me about certain guys and want to talk to candidates? Sure, they do. Uh, I think it's. It just behooves them to, to have all the information, you know, with guys that I bring into the building. So um, they give me that that control, you know, to make these decisions. And, uh, you know, I got to make the tough ones. But at the same time, uh, I felt like I made some really good hires this spring. You just hired your fifth wide receivers coach, Doug. Um, You're next. Why, why do you think you have it right this time? You know, I think in this, there's, there's no guarantees in this business. Um, I am excited, however, with Aaron. He's a former player. 
Um, he, he's been around some great minds in this league. You know, he, he's worked with and played with, you know, Peyton Manning and, and, um, here, here in, here in Indy. Um, and, and he's now coached the position, obviously at the collegiate level. You know, he's got the right demeanor and, and I'm excited to work with him and, and, uh, you know, get him on board and get him caught up to what we're doing and, uh, look forward to this offseason. Structuring of your offensive staff with a run coordinator and a pass game coordinator and also adding Scangerella. Is he going to a? Is he going to be your quarterbacks coach essentially? And and you're the third team. The Rams and the 49ers also have this run pass separation. Why is it? Why is it a good thing? How does well, it benefit? You? I, I think number one. Um, now my offensive coordinator doesn't have to talk to you guys. That's that's going to be that's going to be me, right? I mean, um, you know. But the thing is, listen. I for the last four years, um, I have had an offensive coordinator, and by position and by title. And, and, and yet when it comes to game, game day decisions, game calls, I, I'm the one that's calling the play. So the offensive coordinator doesn't do that. And so I, I thought long and hard about this. And, um, this is why I took my time this off season, you know, with these decisions with Rich, uh, putting him in a, in a, in a senior offensive, you know, position and, and, and then promoting press to a, to a pass game coordinator. I, I really feel like that, that, in order for Press to grow, I've got to give him, give him more as a coach. I got to put more on his plate. I still want him in a quarterback's room. I still want him to be around Carson and the guys, and and he's done an outstanding job there. Uh, but at the same time, I want him to have more of a of a you know his fingerprints on game plans. And then Rich comes in and he he helps bridge the gap with with uh, Coach Stoutland as the run game coordinator and now Press and and bringing all those pieces together along with myself. And, and having such a collaborative game plan approach allows us to really have more, um, I think, a, a better sense of, of our game plan that we're going into each, each game with. So um, I just made that decision. And, and obviously, with it, it ultimately is, you know, it comes down to me on game day with, with calling the plays. In that evaluation process, did you consider giving up play calling duties? No, no, not yet. Not yet. No, I, that's the part that keeps me attached. That's the part that keeps me, you know, it, my own motivation, right, is to, is to be around the players and to stand up in front of the room and install the plays during the week and, and, and be connected to the team offensively that way with, with all the other things that I have to do. So uh, play calling was never never brought up. up. Did you find it hard to uh, bring in uh, potential OCs or offensive assistants uh, if they didn't get the call plays? I mean, that's always something that I think um, – a candidate who, who wants to be an offensive coordinator, if they're going to a place where the head coach is calling plays or somebody else is calling plays, yeah, that's, that's difficult. You know, that's difficult. And, and, and so some of the candidates I spoke with and, and even, even brought into the building, um, you know, that was, that, that was brought up. And, and I just, I told them up front that, you know, this is a position where, you know, I'm still going to call the plays. I'm not going to give that up. And, and they have to be comfortable with that. And, um, you know, listen, I, I would have a hard time too if, I was interviewing for a coordinator's job. Having called plays previously, that'd be tough to tough to give up. Doug, Rich, Rich has the background in the Shanahan system. You guys have West Coast and spread guys with different backgrounds. What's your vision for how kind of how all this is going to work together? Or why do you want guys with, with such different backgrounds? Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, again our our approach has been very collaborative. Our approach has been very um, very direct, and 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 from the standpoint of you know. You hire position coaches for a reason, not just to coach the position, but also to have, you know, uh, input on, on game plans. And so uh, having Rich now being in and being around, you know, Kyle and, and his, um, 
you know, his offenses, whether it be in Atlanta and San Francisco and being around quarterbacks, you know, Matt Ryan and obviously Garoppolo and Nick Mullins and, and Sam Fran, these guys, um, he, he just brings a, and then, and then having coordinator experience, you know, in Denver last year, just, um, for me, very intriguing to, to be able to bring in a guy that, um, you know, is, is going to help Carson. Number one, it's going to help our offense. It's going to, uh, he's going to be a guy, not not solely his responsibility, but allowing us to take our our offense maybe to a to a different to a different level, and it's something that uh, uh, we weren't uh, we weren't as good at last year in the last couple of seasons, and and those are all things that that you know I have to take a look at, right, uh, through the evaluation process. So I'm I'm excited to work with Rich and Aaron and the guys, um, you know, as we get ready for for OTAs. What do you think do? I mean, what's this role on a day to day basis? Is it all I mean, it's, it's, it's various roles. Um, one, he's as I mentioned, he, he's going to be uh, he, he's going to be able to bridge the the gap. He's going to be able to bring together the run division and the passing division, right, and, and bring that together with a blend of 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 you know formations and plays and things that really kind of tie everything together, right. Um, and and so that's that's going to be that's going to be a key component. Obviously, game plan. He's going to have his hands all over the game plan as well. Um, a lot of a lot of communication, a lot of a lot of film study. Um, yeah, he'll work with quarterbacks just like like I am in that room. So he'll have a chance to to do that as well and have some input there and and um, you know just assist with us on offense. You want to say that you? Oh yeah, yeah. I think I said the same thing about Darren Sproles. Heck yeah. Sorry, what kind of coach are the Detroit Lions getting in, in Corey Unlin? Corey, wow, uh, hard to hard to you know obviously lose and tough to lose a guy like Corey. Um, they're getting a guy that that he's going to be his players are going to be well prepared. Um, he gets the most out of his players. Uh, the players play hard for him, and um, you know I'm excited for for he for him and, and being in this role you know with Detroit and with uh, Coach Patricia. Um, excited to see where his career goes now. How are you? What needs to happen to get more production from the wide receivers? Say that again. What needs to happen to get more production from the wide receivers? Um, maybe less injuries. Personnel. Do you think that's a position that? Well, I mean, listen, every you know, I was asked the other day about speed and all this other kind of stuff. I mean, I think everybody here in this this week is is looking for for speed and and the next you know the next diamond in the rough and. And and as we go through our evaluation process, we're gonna we're gonna find and pick the best the best players we can to, to help the Philadelphia Eagles, um, and that's how we get better. There's been a lot of talk about the relationship between Carson Wentz and Alshon Jeffrey. You're in the building every day. You see him interact. Do you view that as a problem or something that needs to be worked on, or can he come back next year and they can have a working relationship? Yeah, you know, I, I don't I don't see that. Um, I, I think one of the things that where Carson really took a big step was in that leadership approach this past year. Um, getting everybody on the same page and, and, and on, on board. And, 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 you know, it's just unfortunate because we had a lot of high expectations as an offense going into the season. And then when pieces started to, to drop out, uh, it, it's just unfortunate that way. Um, but there were, there were no issues, you know, between those two. How are you made of where? What's your view on this class? I think it's, um, you know, again, I, I think it's a talented group. I think there's some guys here that, uh, uh, obviously can, can, can make an impact with, you know, and, and with whoever, you know, uh, picks them and, and drafts them. So something, uh, position we'll take a look at is, uh, as we do it each year. How are you invested a lot in, in veteran backup quarterbacks? You think Carson's at the point now health wise and experience wise that you could maybe go with the, in a younger direction at that position with the backup quarterback? 
I think you could. I think I think you got to be careful. It's got to be the right guy. You know, obviously, it's got to be a guy that that um, you know you feel comfortable maybe maybe playing a game or two. Um, you know, but uh, at the same time, you know what we've done with that position is we brought in some veteran guys the past couple of seasons that have that have got us through, and and uh, you know we're gonna we're gonna take a look at that. We always do. I mean, that's obviously something that. Uh, you know, is important to me having been a backup quarterback and the importance of that. So, you know, we'll evaluate that this this offseason. How are you made aware of left-handed quarterbacks in the NFL, either as backups or as starters? Crazy. Why do you think that is? I mean, you played a pretty good one, Scott Mitchell, years ago. Like, what? What? Why is it so hard to make it as a lefty now? I, I don't know. Um, it's a good question. It's really a good question. Whether they're they're playing baseball or other sports, um, but uh, yeah, it's a it's a unique stat. Um, I'm not sure why, honestly. No, no. Left-handed, right-hand doesn't matter. Can they complete passes or not? I mean, that's bottom line. I don't, it doesn't matter to me if you're right or left-handed. You I like ambidextrous guys too. If they can throw with both, that'd be great. How were you first made aware of Scangarello? Rich, how were you first made aware of Rich Scangarello? So, I mean, it's, it's listen. This whole the whole search is, is is a funny business. When you start talking to other coaches and and whether they're head coaches in this league and, and you're asking about certain. Uh, certain coaches, and then you, you start talking about guys, his, that, and the other. Certain names come up, and his name name came up, and so I did a little more, a little more of a deep dive with him, and and really felt like he was a guy that of interest for me, and and uh, um, love the fact that he has old West Coast roots. Um, so he and I hit it off right away from the standpoint of you know offensive play design, um, and uh, really felt comfortable with uh, you know having him in our building. Thank you. P G N.